You are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. You guys want to hear a... um, a, Sure, why not? It is kind of funny to have a pastor ask that question. Do you guys want to hear... Like you're going to say no, right? Let's move this out here a little bit. Um, you guys want to hear a testimony? Yes. Yeah. Come on, let's hear one from last night. David, go on. Go ahead and come on up. Well, guys, I want you to welcome David. Bless him good. Come on. David is the, uh, he's the co-director with, uh, with me, with our Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry, and he's fantastic. I can't think of anyone better to be in that, in that role, uh, just really encouraging people. He's an evangelist, apostle-type dude, and... Uh, so he really encourages our students to get out there and stretch themselves. How many students do we have in the room this morning? Let's see. Even former or current. Let's see. Good. We've got yeah. a good group of you here. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? He'll stretch you a little bit. So tell us about what happened last night. All right. Are you sure you don't want to keep going? That sounded good, what you were saying. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Take your time with that, bro. Don't rush it. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, so uh, let's see. Some of you know we do uh, on Friday nights with the Orlando School of Supernatural Ministry, we do an outreach pretty much every Friday night unless we're doing healing rooms in here. One of those outreaches that we do quite often is free spiritual readings. That sounds weird. It is weird, um, but it's, it's really amazing. We sit down and invite people to come up, uh, and they think they're coming up to psychics, and some of them hold out their hands like we're going to read their palms. Some of them are like, where are your tarot cards? I'm like, no, we do it a little bit differently. We're just going to ask God for facts about your life. It could be about your past, your present or your future. It's always positive, always encouraging. Is that okay? And no one ever says no. And so they sit down and we just fill them up with prophetic words. And then we get prophetic words about healing that they need. And we'll pray for healing. We see people get healed and they come to know Jesus. Instead of debating with people about whether Jesus is real, they just meet him. It's really fun. So last night was one of the biggest events that we do. It's at Crane's Roost in Altamont. It's a big park. Uh, do we have some, a photo or two that we could put up for it? Yeah. Um, so that was before the event started. That was about half of our team that was there. I should have been in the background, I'm just now realizing, because I take up most of the screen. Um, and then we got another photo. Uh, so this was our tent is the first one to the left there. That, what you're seeing is a line. We had a line at our tent. We had a line. No one has lines at this thing. We had a line. There's, there's, there's probably 100 different vendors. No one has lines except for us. We, we've done this, I think, four years in a row now. We, uh, we had a line from 5 p.m. until 9 p.m. We had to take down our signs so that people would stop lining up. It's awesome. ridiculous. I was a little tired afterwards. Um, but what happened was um, there's so many testimonies. I'm going to tell you one. We had one lady named Connie who came up. And uh, she actually, her friend wheeled her up in a wheelchair, and she had a really tough time getting out. People had to help her up and, and, and sit her down. And we start loading her up with, with prophetic words. She's, she's okay with this. She had done a, a spiritual reading before with a psychic. And so we start loading her up, giving her some good stuff. She's connecting with it. And then, uh, who was it? Michelle and Jenny. Jenny's not here, is she? But one of our students, Michelle's over here. Raise, raise your hand. Yeah, there you go. Uh, they, they start getting these words that she needs to connect with her inner child and that she has basically uh, taken on this depressive um, kind of state where uh, everything's 
serious and, and she's just sad. And, and as they're saying this, she starts crying and she's bawling. Um, and uh, she says that she's been paying a therapist uh, to help her with this exact issue. And so then we, we, after we get this right, we're like, all right, well, let's fix it right now. And so um, we asked if we could pray for her. She didn't, she didn't know Jesus, but she said yes because she was meeting him. As we're praying, she's crying. She's receiving. We ask her what she's feeling. She's like, everything is light. I feel so light. And she said she felt something lift off of her. We didn't tell her to say that. Um, and then, and then we, we pray because she got out of a wheelchair. We, we start praying for physical healing. Um, and we're releasing physical healing. After we're done, we say, okay, what did you feel? She said, I have no pain. Come on. She, come people on. had to take her out of the wheelchair. Yeah. Come on. That's so she good. had a wrist brace on. She had all these pinched nerves. She, she couldn't walk. I mean, she was in this wheelchair. Later on that night, after we say goodbye, about an hour later, I see her walking normal, pushing her wheelchair. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Come on, that's so good. Yes. Come on. So right now, if you struggle with depression, okay? If you struggle with depression, put put your hand right here. If you struggle with, if you want to connect, if you want to have more joy, you want to connect with that kid that was joyful, if you want to connect with him, put your hand right here, okay? There's no shame in this. We're family. We are family. If you can't do it here, where can come you on, do it? Um, so put your hand right here, so and I'm just going to release that same testimony that God that met this lady at a crane's roost event is here today, and you are all infected with Holy Spirit. I got news for you. You're HS positive, okay? <laughs> so I just release Holy Spirit on you right now. Every hand yeah. that's on their heart, Papa, yeah, touch them, touch them. They so don't good. need years of therapy. Yes, there's, there's good in therapy, but they don't need it. They can get free right now, just like on, that lady Jesus. did. I just release the, the joy bringer, the joy giver onto them Come right on. now, the encourager so onto them. And whatever's going on, whatever lies they're believing, yeah. belies, whatever belies they have. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I just, I just say replace it with truth Come right on. now, Come Dad. On, Show Jesus. them the truth it's of the so gospel, good. who they are, who you created Come them on. to be, and who you are, Papa. In Jesus' so name, amen. Amen, amen. Come on, that's so good. That is so good. Yeah. You know what that tells me? It tells me the gospel still works. Gosh, that's so good. Come on, there's breakthrough in that, man. Yeah, that's so good. Man, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. I'll I'll tell you guys, I I don't live my life to get up on Sunday mornings to stand here and preach. It's not what drives me. I could really care less about that. What, what moves me is that kind of stuff right there. What moves me is the expression of the kingdom of heaven being made manifest outside the four walls of the church. That's what moves me. That's what moves me. I think we've, we've come to a place where we're starting to recognize. I think the church is starting to recognize, wake up a little bit, that the bulk of ministry is not done inside the church. It's done outside the church. And it's not the responsibility of pastors like me. It is not my job. My job is to equip, Ephesians 4. And so I, I'm just so jazzed and energized by hearing testimonies like that, that we're, we're taking the kingdom, we're taking the gospel, it's getting outside the church, and people are just encountering him. That's the, isn't that the best thing in the world? Yes. Everybody in here at some level could point back to a time when they encountered Jesus, when they met him, 
when they encountered him. And you might not even be able to fully describe it. You might not be able to put words to it, but you knew that you knew that you knew you just met the creator of the universe. You knew something changed. You knew something was beyond words. And, and you encountered it. It moved you. It's changed you. Church, I think it's a good idea to remind ourselves of that, to keep coming back to it. Keep coming back to it. Keep coming back to it. Because if we're going to be preachers of the gospel, which all of us are, ministers of the gospel, come back to the one encounter that you had with Jesus, the last encounter you had with Jesus. Live on that. Testify according to that, and you'll see things like that happen. So that's, that's good news. Come on. Can we just thank God again for that? So good. So, so good. I want to talk about joy this morning. We're going to do a uh, series um, through Advent season. Um, with the exception of next week, because we have our family Christmas, but that's, that's just part of how we enjoy it together. So we're going to do uh, three messages this month. Uh, I'm going to start with joy today. Uh, two weeks from now, we're going to go through peace, and then um, the last uh, Sunday before we get to Christmas Eve, Andy's going to bring a message on hope. Um, I'm really excited about it, but I'd like to enjoy this Advent season. I like to let our minds come back to the reason for the season, and I like for our, our minds to come back to a place of expectancy. You guys like expectancy? I like that. We use that word around here a lot. We use expectancy as opposed to expectation because expectation has a, an end goal. But expectancy just has a heart that says, God, you'll do something. You're going to do something. That way we're not disappointed if it doesn't look like what we think it should look like. So I like to have a heart of expectancy. I like this season. I like being reminded of the advent of Jesus Christ into the earth. It's such, such a beautiful time. Such a beautiful time. I want to start by reading you something, though, because I just thought this was funny. A rabbi, a priest, and a preacher. Meet every Monday in a coffee shop to talk things over about their spiritual life. One day, the priest makes a bet with the other guys that he could convert a bear in the woods over to his religion. The others nod and say, yeah, I'll bet we could do it quicker than you could. So they all agree that the next time they meet, they'll share the stories about how they were able to convert a bear. They all end up in the hospital. But the priest is in the best shape of all of them. They decided to meet in the rabbi's room. The priest has his arm in a sling and says, yeah, it was tough at first, but I was able to dash it with some holy water, and the next thing I know, it started saying Hail Mary, and he's coming to Mass next Sunday. The other two clergymen nod in approval. And the preacher goes next. The preacher's in a pretty bad shape. He's in a wheelchair. He has a concussion, a broken leg and a broken arm. And he says, well, I finally happened upon the bear. I wrestled that thing to the ground, started beating its head with a Bible. So it lunges at me, and we tumbled down a hill into the river where I dunked him seven times. And finally, he came to the faith, and he'll be coming to church next Sunday. Both men turn to the rabbi to hear his, or his story, and the rabbi looks like he got the worst of it. He's in a body cast, and there's no way he's getting out of bed anytime soon. He looks at both men and says, well, I probably should have started with something different than circumcision. <laughs> Flag on the play! <laughs> Oh, my gosh. There's a line. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't know. I just thought that was funny. I thought I got a kick out of that. So, Oh, come on. God's good, isn't he? All right, take your Bibles this morning, your electronic device, whatever you got, or you can read it on the screen here. Turn to Luke chapter 2. I want to read a passage that's familiar to us in the Advent season, but I want to talk about joy. I want to talk about what it really looks like, where it comes from, and I really, I've been in this season recently where I'm asking people to put on your gospel track shoes. I'm just going to look at a number of scriptures this morning. You guys okay with that? Look at a number of different scriptures that have to do with joy. Joy is a powerful, powerful commodity of heaven. It's powerful. It's, man, if we could get a hold of that right there, just if we could all get a hold of what joy really looks like, it's totally different than happiness. We all know that. Happiness is based on happenstance, which is determined by our circumstances around us. Joy is a completely other thing. It's a powerful, powerful word. There's 14 different Hebrew words to describe the word joy. Eight different Greek words to describe the word joy. Why? I don't know. I just think that joy is so pregnant, it's so big, it's so full, it's so multifaceted that there's no one way to describe it. I think the intention of God was to bring that commodity to the earth so that people could get a glimpse of what heaven really looks like. I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up with a, a thinking, a mindset towards heaven. First of all, I looked at it as some kind of future experience, which it is. But there's also a reason why Jesus said, when you pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's an expectancy for heaven to come into this earth while we're living here. There's a reason why at salvation we're not snatched up and taken away and taken to heaven because there is, in the heart of God, a desire to see the expression of heaven come to the earth. And I think joy is part of it. It's a huge, huge aspect of it. I'd like to see the church get a hold of this a little more. I don't know why, and I don't mean this is a bad thing, so I hope you can hear me correctly here, but I don't, I don't mean this is a bad thing, but I don't know why it is, but if we have tears in church, that's acceptable. If we have laughter, something's wrong with that. Now, it's changing. I think there's a shift in that, and I'm not diminishing being touched by God and it causing us to cry. It moves me all the time. I read the Word. It's about the only thing on the planet that'll make me cry. Well, occasionally a movie, but I don't tell anybody that. My, my, yeah, my family knows. They know when I'm getting a little verklempt when we're watching a movie because we'll be sitting there watching it. It's one of those scenes, you know, and it's just one of those moving things that really moves you deep down inside. And then they'll hear me go, stupid movie. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm not going to cry. Where did I tell you to go? Luke chapter 2? Yeah. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. That night in the field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching over their flock. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds were terrified. Geez, do you think? But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it is for everyone, everywhere. Come on, is that good? I like that last line there. I have come to bring you, say it with me, good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard. And it's for everyone, 
everywhere. Come on, this is good. I want to establish something here. That joy is connected to the good news. That this is part of how God in his heart designed it to be imparted to the world. Was it to be connected with the good news of Jesus Christ. The advent of Jesus Christ. He comes on the scene and it's like he's making the announcement. The angels are making the announcement. You think you've known joy? You don't know nothing. You ain't ready. You ain't ready. I'm here to tell you that this is really, really, really good news. It's joyous news, and it's for everyone everywhere. We all know what it's about. It's about the, the advent, the birth of Jesus onto the planet. Now, I want to say something here. I think this is important because we need to learn to identify with every aspect of Jesus' life. Romans talks about our identification with him in his crucifixion and his burial and his resurrection. I want to suggest this morning that we need to identify with his advent. In John chapter 3, we have this phrase that gets thrown around in the church called born again. Anybody ever heard it? Yeah, yeah? three of you. Wow. We need some church people in here. Anybody ever heard the phrase born again? Yeah. Okay. It's really a poor translation of what scripture really says. That passage of scripture doesn't really mean born again. It doesn't say that. It actually means born from above. That's the literal translation, and it's sad that we make it about being born again. It means born from above. Where was Jesus born from? Above. Conceived of Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary, right? He was born from above. That whole passage of Scripture is talking about. It's important to understand this because we have our born-again experience. I can date mine back in April 1972. I can date it. That was my born-again experience, but the reality is my identification with Jesus also has to be connected with his being born from above. I don't know if this is encouraging you or not. Yes. I know it sounds like a little bit of a tangent. We're still talking about joy, but it's important that we grasp this. The sum total of salvation falls squarely on the shoulders of the person of Jesus. Can we all agree with that? Yes. We've tried to make it just a little bit about man. We've tried to make it just a little bit about man's decision. Yes, we make a decision. It's a thing called faith. It's called believing in Jesus. But the reality is we have to identify with every aspect of Jesus' life. He was born from above. I am a new creation in him, right? I didn't make that new creation happen. Where did that come from? He did that. He did all of that. So all of it's got to come back to him. Now, I'm saying all this to say this because does it sound like good news to take the message of the gospel... And make it absolutely clear that it lands on the shoulders of Jesus completely. Because if it doesn't land on his shoulders and I have a certain part of it to do, then there's a work aspect that I have to do in it. Now, you call it what you want. I guess you could call it a work aspect, but it is. It's believing. It's called John 3.16. He who believes shall have everlasting life. He who does not believe is condemned already, John 3.18. So belief and unbelief is where the thing is actuated. It's where we experience it. It was my belief in Jesus Christ of April 1972 that I experienced being born again, but I was actually born again through the person of Jesus. If you don't believe me, look at Romans chapter 5. The entire chapter is built on the first man, Adam, and the last man, uh, the last Adam, Jesus. All of them have to do with what was imparted through the first Adam. We all know sin came into the world through the first Adam, correct? But righteousness and peace and life came through Jesus himself. So when Jesus comes into the planet, when that night happens, when he is born, he's put in a manger, right then, mankind got born again. Something I just want you to ponder. 
the gospel gets preached. Holy Spirit works inside the gospel, moving it into people's ears in ways that make sense to them. It speaks inside of their heart. Then they come to this place where they say, I believe. I believe, Jesus. I believe. What are they having right there? They're having a born-again experience. I don't ever want to take that away from anybody. This is powerful. You guys with me this morning? But there's something about the proclamation of this message that's good news. It's not potential good news. It is good news. And inside of that is joy for everyone, absolutely everywhere. Can you say amen to that? Amen. I think joy is rooted in this one fact here. You ready? God is good. God is good. All the time. Come on. Come on, sister. Well, can I get an amen? God is good. Come on, people. God is good. And all the time. God is good. And all the time. Come on, stand up to your feet here. God is good. All the time. God is good, right? Yeah, all right. Come on. All right, that's good. I just needed to see if you're awake. I'm just getting excited about this. I want to know if anybody's alive in here. God is good all the time, Brother Andrew, all the time. God is good. Psalm 119.68 says, the psalmist writes and says of God, you're good and all you do is good. And all you do is good. Come on. This ought to change our theology a little bit. If God is good and all he does is good, and if bad things happen, where does it come from? Good. Thank you. Well, come on, sister. Come on. We got a winner. If God is good and all he does is good, where do bad things come from? The devil. The devil. Right. Come on. Come on, church. Stick with me here. Why is it that in our culture, when things go wrong, people blame God for it and say, why did God allow that to happen? I don't understand. I don't understand it. Do we not understand that Jesus came on the scene, modeled for us what it looks like to walk, listening to God, doing what God tells him to do, and then he tags us and says, you're it. I'm going to leave for a little bit, but I'm sending Holy Spirit. He's just like me. He's exactly like me. And he's, he was around you. Now he's going to be in you. So you got me. You still got me. I will be with you till the end of the age. All of this we have. Bad things happen. And people say, why does God allow bad things to happen? I just don't think it's his fault. If all he does is good, why do we blame him for that? Why do we blame God for sickness? If I, if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts to my children, Luke says, think about this for a moment. If, if I'm a failed human being and I would do something like this, I would say to my son Jake sitting on the front row, I would say, Jake, I'm going to give you shingles because you need to learn a lesson. I'd get thrown in jail. But somehow we make it easy to put that on God when the word says that all he does is good. We live under the influence. The whole world is under the sway, First John says. The whole world is under the sway of the evil one. Think about this with me. We've been put in charge on this planet. Psalm says that too, that the heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth has been given to man. I'm not making it up. 
But he didn't leave us alone. He gives us Holy Spirit. He says, I'm with you till the end of the age. So if bad things are happening on the planet, I don't think it's because God's doing it. I think it's simply because the church isn't stepping up and doing what we're supposed to do. Bad things are going to happen. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think we need to blame it on God. God is good. Devil is bad. Can we say that together? God is good. Devil is bad. Uh, Yes, right. And I'm thinking that he's really in a good mood. I'm beginning to believe that, that he's actually in a good mood. The word says that all things work together, Romans 8, all things work together for good for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. That intimates that things are not going to go good at times, but it's not God's fault. God doesn't give us problems to teach us a lesson. We learn lessons in the problem when we come back to leaning on him. I don't think he can do bad things. I don't think he has it in him to do bad things. Andrew, what about the old, old covenant? That's exactly what it was, the old covenant. I feel a bunny path going on here. I'm going to take a short one. Short one. Act, Exodus chapter 18, 19, and 20. Very, very critical passage of scripture. When the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt, God wants to make a covenant with them, and he says, I want to make all of you priests and kings. They come back and say, no, we don't want that. We want a mediator. Make, talk to Moses and then, then let him know. They changed the covenant that God desired. The covenant that God desired with his people was one with what we have right now, where we're all priests and kings under God. They demanded a different co- uh, covenant. They did it because of fear. They saw what happened on the mountain. They said they saw the lightning, the thunder. They saw all that was happening, they heard all of that, saw everything that was happening, and said, I don't want to get close, close to God. I want somebody else to do that for me. So send Moses. That was their answer. Mm. Church, Listen. God has always wanted intimacy with us. Always. God chose Israel for intimacy. Israel chose distance for safety. It's always a safer thing to stay away from the presence of God because it scares us a little bit. You guys, you know what I'm talking about? You ever get into such a manifest presence of God, you get really uncomfortable? That's a good place to be. You come to the end of yourself, you start to recognize I've got nothing in this, but what I'm sensing, what I'm feeling, I really do want that. It may make me a little uncomfortable, but I know deep down inside my heart and my chest is pounding for that very thing right there. The word says that he is the desire of all nations. Every heart on this planet is longing for him. They want him. They want him. I think what's important about it is us coming back to recognizing that the gospel of good news is connected to joy. If there's no joy in the gospel, I have to question if it's really the gospel anymore. It should be joyous, wonderful news, and it should be for everyone on the planet. Now, I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture here. Psalm 1611, I'm not going to put them up on the screen here because I want to move through them very quick. Psalm 1611 says, In his presence is the fullness of joy. In his, now, think about this. In his presence is the fullness of joy. So if I'm not experiencing joy, what is the question I need to ask? It's not where did he go. (laughs) It's where did I go. Because we already established that. Holy Spirit comes, is inside of us. He was around you. He's now in you. The present. Where did I go? What happens is we usually let our awareness shift from a heavenly mindset, renewed mindset thinking, into an earthly inferior thinking. And so we don't experience joy thinking that somehow he's gone somewhere. When he never went anywhere, we left him. We let our mind drift into something else. Are you tracking with me this morning? 
joy is a commodity of heaven. You can't muster it up. You can't just make it happen. It's like, what are you going to do, bust a gut trying to get joy? Joy. Oh, there it is. Oh, you can't. It doesn't work like that. It says, in his presence is the fullness of joy. How many want full joy? I, think, I don't think it's, it's not very far. It's not far away. If we want full joy, we don't have to run very far to it. I think it's just a matter of shifting our awareness, stopping what's going on in the mind that takes us down that circular pattern of thinking that doesn't do anything good, that leads us to doom and gloom and despair, leads us to jealousy. That, how many of you ever, you, you, you find yourself, you're doing that. Nobody thinks like that, right? I'm the only one in the room that thinks like that, where your mind circles and goes places and you end up in a, in a pit. You end up in a pit and then you find out, and you sit there and you go, God, this is the best thing I've ever done. You don't do that. You don't stop. You don't get there and go, oh, this is great. I love depression. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I, joy came with him, not depression. Joy, it doesn't mean things are not going to go well. Please, I don't want to be misunderstood here. I'm not saying that things are not going to go well. Things are going to go bad. It's going to happen. We live in this world. Things are going to happen. But I'm, I'm just suggesting that really if the mind can be renewed, Romans 12, long enough to come back to the reality of heaven, to focus on that, that joy is something that is possible all the time. Because in his presence is the fullness of joy, and I have him with me. Come on, you want to do it with me for a moment? I just want you to close your eyes for a second. I just want you to shift your awareness. Just put it back on Jesus for a moment. Just thank him for his gift. Thank him for his advent. Thank you, Jesus. Here you, you show up. Gosh, this moves me on that. You show up. You show up in a world that doesn't want you. They don't like it because you came in a manger. They don't like it because you're a shepherd, not a king. Come on. And my heart... My mind, every part of my being just focuses now, right, my attention on you, Jesus, the Lamb of God, perfect in every way. Thank you. Thank you, God. There's something in that. I don't know about you, it, it, it excites me. Just taking that, does that help doing that? Just for a second? How long did it take to get there? Seconds. Now, I want to be real with you. I don't always go there. I'm still learning to have my mind renewed. I'm still learning that not everything that happens is happening to me. Some of it just happens around me. Some of it, It's not all directed at me. <laughs> Come on, does anybody else have this problem? Something goes wrong and you think it's directly... I have a really good friend in Nashville. He told me this story about how he, most of his life, he felt like everything that happened around him was directed at him. He started to recognize that he was like this. It was me and the world. He really thought, honestly, he thought the world revolved around him because everything that happened was directed at him, good, bad, and different. He just thought it was directed at him. He tells me the story of he's walking out of a grocery store one day, walking to his car in the parking lot, and he hears somebody honking their horn. And he's like, why are they honking at me? only to turn around and look and sees them honking at somebody else, and he saw another circumstance going on over there. He immediately thought it was about him. I thought, wow, man, thanks for being honest. 
I feel really small right now. <laughs> but we do that. We, we, we take things and we internalize and we make them about ourselves and we quickly lose the very joyful thing that we're intended to live in. What would it look like? Just dream with me for a moment. What would it look like if we had a church that was so focused, mindset, set on Jesus, so much so that when things happen, that they just saw joy in it. Why is it that James says, count it all joy when you encounter very trials, various trials? James 1 says that. He's talking about something. He's saying, listen, if you can change that aspect of the way you think, then when things come out you, you're going to look at it and go, oh, God, this is a good chance for you to show up. This is great. What a great opportunity for you to show up. You know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to let this steal my joy. I'm going to maintain it. I'm going to maintain it, not just so that it doesn't get stolen, but because I can see the kingdom of God be injected right into the situation. Hello? It's hard, though, when your car breaks down and you don't have money to fix it. When your air conditioner breaks, you don't have the money to fix that, right? Hello? Anybody in the room? Galatians 5, told you I was going to bounce around a little. Here I am. Galatians 5, wonderful passage talking about fruit of the Spirit. Did you know that joy is one of those things? Joy is one of those things. So here I am. In his presence is fullness of joy. I'm just thinking about this. In his presence is fullness of joy, that the fruit of the Spirit, in his presence, who is he? God. Jesus, Holy Spirit, right? He says, I will leave you Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit within you, in his presence. And the fruit of the Spirit, presence is spirit. Are you tracking with me? It's the same thing. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, right? All that. Joy is inside of that. So I'm just wondering why we don't see a little bit more of that. Why I don't see a little bit more of that. You can tell, I certainly haven't gotten this thing yet, but I just, I'm asking the question. I want to know what would it look like if the church got a hold of this to the extent that they recognized that everywhere they went, they were a joy explosion. They're just waiting to happen. Has anybody in here ever been around somebody who kind of walks in this at some level where they're just joyous people? I'm not talking about happy. They really understand joy. They look at the gospel and they're just happy people and they just... They have a higher thinking plane. I love being around people like that. It's contagious. It changes my perspective. My expectancy goes to a whole new level. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I'm I'm going to that level. That feels good. I want to stay there. Isaiah 61.3, Old Testament passage. Prophet Isaiah is writing and he says, I will give you the oil of joy for mourning. It's a famous passage, Isaiah 61. I will give you the oil of joy of joy from morning. What is oil significant of? Spirit, spirit right? Water is significant of spirit. Oil is significant. The, the dove is significant. All, all that stuff significant. I will give you Holy Spirit joy in place of your mourning. The Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, right? That word blessed there, it's really interesting. Makaridzu is the Greek word in case you're interested. Not Makarena, Makaridzu. Hey, Makarudu. It means exceptionally happy. It means ecstatic, contagious kind of happy. It's not a kind of happy that you can muster up on your own. It's the kind of thing that comes with the presence of God. When he shows up on the scene, it changes the way we view things. Hugely happy. Is that okay in the church? Is it okay if we get a little happy in the church? 
gosh, I'd love to see that. I would love to see that. I don't know where we adopted the Stoic thing, and I don't want to get rid of that. I think there's something valuable in the presence of God, the fear of the Lord, a quietness and a stillness. I'm not saying get rid of that. I'm not trying to produce a hype. I'm not saying that, but I would like to see what it would look like for people just to get happy again and go, oh my gosh, I'm so full of God. I'm so full of God when they walk in a room that it changes temperatures, changes atmospheres, changes cultures. So good. In Luke chapter 10, there's the story of Jesus sending out the 70, the missionaries. And they come back from their missionary adventures and are absolutely ecstatically filled with joy. Why is this important? Because didn't we just read that? That the gospel of good news is joyful news for everyone? So they go preach the gospel, they get happy. I, Dave and I... Doing this OSSM thing, one thing I love, I like a lot of things about Dave, but one thing I love about Dave is how much it energizes him when we do stuff like this. That whenever the gospel is preached and things like that happen, I mean, he'll tell me over and over again, I need this in my life, I need this in my life. So he doesn't do evangelism out of compulsion. He does it because he knows where it comes from and what it feeds inside of him. Changing perspective. Come on, that's good. It was happening to these as they were sent out. It even says that Jesus was full of joy through the Holy Spirit. Same thing. I think there's a connection in this. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Let joy be your continual feast. Wow. So now joy is something I can digest. Hmm. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever experience joy? You just, you know, it's, it's not happiness. It's moved beyond something happy, and you're into joy. You're in a place of joy, and now you're going, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, I want to feed on this. This is where I want to live, right here. This is where I want to stay, right here. Life is good. Life is good right here. I want to stay in this position right here. Well, that's what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, let joy be your continual feast. Philippians 4.4, 4, be cheerful with joyful celebration in every season of life. Another translation says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why does he say rejoice? He's feeding, digesting. How many, you remember places of joy in your life? Let me see your hand. I'm asking now. You remember places of joy. You can, you can bring up something right now in your mind. You're going, okay, that was joy. That was God right there. How do you do it? How do you go back to it? You rejoice. You go back to it again. You think about it. You meditate on it. You come back to a place of where you're encountering God all over again through that experience. That's called rejoicing. That's what it looks like. Rejoice. Go back to it again. John 15. We know, we know that passage. The abiding passage in the vine, vine in the branches. That's a great one right there. And he says that the result of all of this abiding is so that your joy might remain. You see the connection here. It's the shifting of perspective. It's coming back to where do I live? Where's my home planet? It's not here. I'm on vacation here. I'm on an assignment, maybe. I'm an ambassador. The word says that. My, my home is in heaven. The abiding is so that we will have fullness of joy. There's an interesting thing that happens in the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to wrap up with this. In the book of Nehemiah, um, in chapter 8, it's when the people are coming out of, people of Israel are coming out of um, not extradition. What's the word I'm looking for? Exile. Exile. There you go. Thank you. They were coming out of exile, and 
they come back, they find the book of the law, they start to read, they start to rebuild, and they recognize that they've missed out on a lot, so they go into mourning. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, God specifically says to him, he says, I want you to stop your mourning, and I want you to put on a celebration and feast and joy. Why did he want them to do that? Why in the middle of coming back to a place where they've recognized what they've lost, where they've lost God, they've lost the temple, they've lost family, they've lost their home, they're coming back to a place and they're mourning, and he says, I want you to stop your mourning, and I want you to put on a feast for seven days, and I want you to just go for it. Why would he tell them to do that? You would think that it would be a really good thing. Romans, 12, Romans 2 tells us that it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. I don't think that we can really fully understand what repentance looks like until we experience the goodness of God. I think that's why he was telling him to go back and rejoice and joy, put on a celebration, because he understood at some level that coming back to that place and worshiping him, encountering him, enjoying what God had laid out for him, that that was where the mind would be changed enough to where they would fully recognize what they had lost. Are you tracking with me? It's one thing to understand on a natural level when we've done something wrong, where we've missed it, where we've messed up. It's one thing to understand it from an earthly level. It's a completely different thing to understand it from a heavenly level. To recognize that it's not just that what I did wrong right there or what I messed up. It's what I was missing out on. This is why I love discipline. Discipline is not about punishment. It's about reminding who, people who they are, what it's about what God has called them to. Yeah, you got stuck right there. You just got a bad spirit of stupid jumped on you right there. Okay, let's get cleaned up here. Let's get out of the mud and let's get back up. Do you recognize who you are? Do you know who you are? You forgot, didn't you? Okay, I understand. We do that at times. But let's remember, let's come back to celebrating who God is. Why? Because the goodness of God leads to repentance. The good news, the good message is filled with joy. In the world, people rejoice to have joy. In the kingdom, we have joy because we rejoice. In the world, people rejoice because to, in order to have joy. In the kingdom, we have joy because we rejoice. There's an intentionality about it. There's a, there's a choice that has to be made inside here, not just inside here. So I want us to do something. We're going to activate. I want to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up here. We're going to go back in. We're going to do that new song we were doing. I just felt like there's an attitude of celebration in it. That song that's saying, I walked out of my grave. Come on, that's good news, isn't it? Remember, the identification with Jesus, his advent, his death, his burial, his resurrection, even Ephesians talks about identifying with his ascension. So I want us to do that. I want us to celebrate together. Can we do that? All right, on your feet. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, 